Let us pray together. Dear God, we thank you for your written word, a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. And we thank you above all for Jesus, your living, your living word, who came to set us free and to help us to walk in your way of love. So come now, Holy Spirit, to guide our hearts and our minds and our feet into your way. Amen. So have you ever thought about how the ministry of Jesus actually begins? I mean, the very first thing that happens. Well, I went to our Gospel of Mark this past week, and I found in Mark 1.9 that it says that his whole ministry starts with Jesus coming out of Nazareth. And since we know he didn't drive out of Nazareth, we know that he walked out of Nazareth, and it all began with a single step, with one of his legs swinging forward like a pendulum, his heel touching down, Jesus' whole weight then rolling forward onto the ball of his feet, His other foot's big toe pushing off. The delicately balanced weight of his body then shifting. His whole ministry begins with Jesus taking a very first step. And then one more step. And then one more gaining momentum, building rhythm. This is how Jesus leaves his home of 30 years and sets his feet toward our world. And then today, we catch sight of Jesus far away in the distance as he comes walking down the shoreline along the sparkling sea of Galilee. His pace is steady, unrushed, right around uh, three miles an hour. And when Jesus approaches, he invites Simon and Andrew to come follow him. Not to sit down and hear a lecture, but to come walk with him. Talk with him. Pray with him. Break bread with him. To share, to share his life. And amazingly, they do. They follow him, and pretty soon, not much later, so also do James and John. You see, Jesus the walker wants these four and many others to learn what they can only learn as they amble and they ramble together in the same direction, usually on land, but at least one time on water. 
In fact, there are three years of walking together at three miles an hour. In this time, they cover approximately 1,500 miles during Jesus' three years of ministry. These 1,500 miles that they walk together are Jesus' school of the way. You see, he comes to show us the way, the good way that connects us with God, connects us with our neighbor, connects us with ourselves, and connects us with creation. As he says today, repent and believe the good news. Or modern translation, stop walking in the wrong direction. And set your your feet on the way, on the path that leads to life. You know, uh, uh, five years ago, right around this time, I first started sensing that God just might be calling our family out here to Lancaster. When I kept hearing a certain four-letter word sprinkled throughout all of your sharing about our congregation. Now, don't worry. It began with a W. You see, I started noticing my excitement rising up every time you all started talking about walking to church, walking to school, walking to market. It took me four years to be able to not say walk to Central Market, but walk to market. And not only this, you talked about how you'd run into folks from church and our community meals almost every day. Now, what you have to understand is back then, I could literally count on my two hands how many times we'd run into folks from church during our entire 13 years in Chicago. Two hands. I can almost remember every time because it was so unusual. And I'm not exaggerating. We loved Chicago. But we all lived so far apart. Some of us lived 60 miles apart. How are you going to ever run into each other? And in that hyper-automobilized and suburbanized context, I often just felt like we were living our whole lives in artificial bubbles. You know, home, gym, office, store. Home, gym, office, store. All disconnected and only reachable by another bubble, our car. Some suburban roads didn't even have sidewalks. And walking was often dangerous and worst of all, unthinkable. That's a big problem. You can't even think about walking. Now, five years ago, I couldn't have put it into words yet, 
But we were really longing for a different kind of life, a different kind of city, smaller, more human-sized. Danette and I sensed our yearning to become part of a church with many walkers, and not just many walkers, but a few super walkers, (laughs) right? My goodness, super walkers. We wanted to be part of a community that would help us to grow in some new and important ways. See, God calls pastors to help you grow, but God calls us to you so that you can help us grow as well. And this intuition became clearer to us when we started looking for our home with Cal Yoder. First, we started looking at places two miles away, three miles away, then a mile and a half away from church. But you know what? I just knew my lazy self would end up driving. I knew it. And so nothing felt right until we started looking at homes closer by and found one just seven minutes away. Or, you know, I'm turning a little bit into a walking nerd, 740 steps. (laughs) Door to door. That's doable. It almost takes longer to drive. And since then... Walking this city has become the joy of my ministry. It's here in Lancaster that I've finally been able to walk on water. On Water Street, that is. I know, I know. I just had to get that in. And some of my most poignant and memorable walks have been with you. At County Park, at Musser Park, at Buchanan Park, I'll never forget one of those, and around McCaskey High School. While we're out caroling together, participating in the race against racism, and when we're walking around the prison on Good Friday. You know, in fact, I've been going through a pair of walking shoes just about every 10 months. And at first that really annoyed me, and I'd complain to Danette, and she'd say, Todd, so much cheaper than four tires. (laughs) And after I returned from my sabbatical last July, the comment that made me the happiest was, Todd, we've missed seeing you walking around town. That really made my heart sing. You see, here in Lancaster, in this city, in one week, I often run into more folks from our church and our community meals than I ever did in Chicago in 13 years. So, I'm curious, just raise your hand if you've recently run into someone from church or a community meal on our streets. Just this past Wednesday, I ran into Beth Wida near Duke and Christian, or Chestnut, 
and we had a serendipitous conversation. You know, Jeff Speck, city planner and walkability advocate, calls this propinquity. I had to go to YouTube for that. Propinquity. Let's say that together. Propinquity means physical proximity or closeness to one another. And it's crucial to our flourishing as human beings. This is what God has made us for. This is how God has made us. And so propinquity, I believe, leads to serendipity. To these beautiful, unplanned encounters with friends and strangers. Our Bible is filled with countless stories about walking. It opens with one of the most beautiful images in all of Scripture, with God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. Aren't you there with God? Isn't that beautiful? In fact, in Scripture, those who are close to God are called, or we say that they are those who walk with God. In fact, there are over 200 references to walking in the Bible, and 300 in some translations. Now, why the discrepancy? It's because in Hebrew... Walking doesn't just mean moving your feet. It also, of course, means to live and to conduct yourself in a certain way. And so, for example, Micah 6.8, walk humbly with your God, can also be very faithfully translated, live humbly with your God. Although I like the walk better. It's got a little more locomotion to it. In the Bible, how we walk physically, ethically, and relationally are inseparable. And Jesus walks and walks and walks around with his disciples, taking his sweet time. In so doing... He shows us with such beauty what God is like. In the book, Three Mile an Hour God, Three Mile an Hour God, the Japanese theologian Kosuke Koyama writes that God works slowly because God is love. God works slowly because God is love. Love, he says, has its speed. Isn't that beautiful? Love has its speed. It is different from all the technological speeds to which we're accustomed. It goes on in the depth of our life, whether we notice it or not, at three miles an hour. It is the speed we walk, and therefore it is the speed the love of God 
walks. And over the years, a favorite verse of mine has been 1 John 1.7, which calls us to walk as Jesus walked. In all this past week, a question keeps bubbling up within me. What if we're not only meant to love as Jesus loved, to forgive as Jesus forgave, but also to physically walk? Walk as Jesus walked. And might, and might our physically walking as Jesus be an especially crucial spiritual discipline for us here in this city. Connecting us more fully with God, our neighbors, ourselves, and creation. So let's look briefly at each of these connections along with my giving you a little experiment to do in your lives for each of them. So first, connecting with God. Many of us now live our lives sitting mostly in front of screens. I won't ask you to raise your hands. At work, at home, and in between. I think Samantha and I would raise our hands too. But walking gets us out the door. Gets our blood flowing to both hemispheres of our brains. Stimulating reflection and prayer. Walking, whether down a city street or down a nature path, gives us crucial, unstructured space. Did you hear that? unstructured space. It's a rarity in our lives now. Unstructured space to connect with God and maybe even more importantly, for God to connect with us. The poet Wendell Berry, known for his weekly Sabbath walks, he puts it this way, the mind that comes to rest is tended in ways it cannot intend, is born, preserved, and comprehended by what it cannot comprehend. So here's a practical experiment. Begin your walk by inviting the Holy Spirit to help you to be open and receptive to God's new ideas, new inspiration, and new grace. Second, connecting with our neighbors. Modern life is also incredibly anonymous and often isolating. In contrast, walking helps us to connect with our neighbors, to get to know them. In fact, the more you and I walk in this city, the stronger the social fabric of our city becomes. Very important. You know what that means? You can take a walk and make this city better. 
just by being out. Author Rebecca Solnit says that city walking also reduces fear. I've experienced this. Strange places, she says, are always more frightening than familiar ones. Dorothy Day, the Christian Catholic peacemaker, often took long walks in the poor neighborhoods on purpose of Chicago's South Side. And for us as well, walking can be one of our best chances to break out of our silos of racial and class segregations. Segregation. And so this is why when I take my long 45-minute loops in the city, I always try to include our poor neighborhoods in my walks. That's right, Daryl Marlies, I walk by your place. No, but I walk through the southeast, you know, places that if you talk to others, they say, don't go there. And I've come to delight in all the worlds, the different worlds that I get to pass by along the way. Taco shops, barber shops, pawn shops, tattoo parlors, churches, brew pubs, vape lounges, and art studios. And I try to pray for the folks along the way, especially those who are troubled. And if you're paying attention, there's there's troubled folks. And along the way, I can feel God stretching and expanding my world. And expanding my heart for this city, God's heart for this city. But I have to say, in talking with sisters, women here at East Chestnut, I've also come to discover that my perspective in all of this is pretty privileged. For our women, walking here in Lancaster doesn't just lead to serendipitous encounters, right? But also to harassment, catcalls, and needing to have your radar, your 360 radar, degree radar, on full alert. That's something that we as men don't have to deal with. And so here's an experiment just for our men, me included. Let's ask God for the courage to be brave in confronting harassment in our city when we see it. And we see it. And may our memory verse guide our way. Be alert. Be courageous. Be strong. And do it all in love. Three, connecting with ourselves. You know, I found it fascinating that for almost all of history... All of human history, humans have spent half their time and half their energy walking. Think about that. 
half your calories, half your time walking. But today, our lives have become increasingly sedentary, and we struggle with the many diseases caused by our lack of ambulation. So let me encourage all of us to take up walking wherever we live. To discover the joy of moving out of our racing minds and into our three-mile-an-hour bodies and experiencing the wholeness of feeling healthier and stronger along the way. Here's an experiment. I told you I'm a bit of a walking nerd. Walk around with a pedometer for a little bit. Uh, This morning, I'm at 1,491 steps. And I didn't do much. Uh, You can put a free app on your phone. And notice how it gets you excited about walking wherever you are and whenever you can. In fact, I'm even doing strange things like parking at the farthest place away from the door so that I can get in a few more steps uh, along the way, which is exactly the opposite of what we usually do. Fourth and lastly, connecting with creation. Finally, as Jesus knew so well, walking engulfs the senses and connects us with God's creation. Walking helps us not just to consider the lilies, but actually to be able to see them, and the ravens as well, as Jesus said. This past Wednesday, as I walked westward on Orange past David and Margaret Highs, my heart and my soul felt healed by the beauty of the the setting sun in the western sky. I needed that. And I felt God ministering to me through that beauty. Walking also, of course, greatly reduces pollution and our carbon footprint. Jeff Speck says you can't spell carbon without C-A-R. He's also a little snarky. He also says carnage begins with C-A-R as well. But seriously, imagine the impact if Jesus' billion global followers all became more regular walkers. Imagine the global impact. So an experiment is in the coming week, just try to walk. Not all the time, but when you can. And thank God for the serendipitous experiences of beauty in the world that you see. So let me close. If you drive home this morning in your car feeling guilty, then I've completely failed. Really. My purpose today is not to set up some new PC standard pedestrianally correct standard (laughs) in our church. What I'm trying to do is to strengthen the vision that we already share 
as a faith community that tries to walk whenever we can. Moving through our lives at three miles an hour at the speed of God's love. And deeply grateful for all that walking allows us to see, to learn, and to be. Amen.